Hey everyone, and welcome back to the First Act Podcast. This is part one of touring as a merch manager and PA with Jessica Sands. Jessica walks us through her unique path traveling the world with artists including Billy Talent, Biba Doobie, and many others. For everyone out there who wants to develop valuable contacts in entertainment, make a comfortable living, and travel the world doing so, this is an episode you won't want to miss. And now, hosted by Harry G., this is your one-stop shop for hot talk straight from the top. Whether you're trying to build a job in pop, rock, or any other artsy schlock, here's your top dog with info that can't be bought, it's gotta be sought. So sit back, crack a six-pack, cause we're about to chit-chat and rip facts. It's the First Act Podcast. Without further ado, thank you so much, Jess, Jessica Sands, for coming on to the First Act Podcast. And here's where you say, thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to our chat. Yeah, I know. For us, it's like, it's always so seamless. It's an easy chat. I feel like I've known you for years. Um, one, of my, one of the reasons I really, really wanted to interview you is obviously, you know, we're both friends with Angel. And like I told you on our last call, like, Angel doesn't like a lot of people. <laughs> I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure he's fine with me publicizing that. But, it, but, it, but if he likes you, then there's got to be something really unique and special about you. And the fact that you work as a merch manager and you've been working in this space for a while is, you know, I, I, I have a soft spot for merch managers because I think that it is such an underrepresented job in the music industry, but I also think it's such like a golden job. It's a, you have some of the best people working these roles. And so I'm super excited for this episode um, to learn more about your background and I know that you have a wild tale to how you got to where you are today. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely happy to talk all things merch. And, you know, it's a job that gets kind of underappreciated or by mostly the rest of the crew on the tour. (laughs) Um, So I'm happy to sort of speak highly of it. Before yeah. we get started, though, unconfirmed Angel actually likes me, but he does talk to me. So <laughs> he definitely likes you. Um, he, after after our last chat, I was texting with him, and I was like, "Thank you so much for introducing me to Jess. Like, she's awesome." And he was just like, "Yeah, I knew you guys would jive. Happy it worked out." And just sends me like a thumbs up. And I never know if he likes me or not, but I mean, he, <laughs> he chose you over going out for lunch with me, and I told him I'd treat him to lunch. And I feel wow. like you're probably like, Angel, you know what? You're paying. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, that was just because he wanted me to cover for him. So <laughs> that's great. No, well, I lo- the jury's still out on that. But yeah, I appreciate that. I love Angel. Um, I will say, like, first and foremost, like the there is this sort of solidarity of, amongst merch managers that I don't really feel you get in any other position on tour. And my sort of path to it is I started touring as a production assistant then I tour managed and then I sort of did half merch half PA and then gradually just started taking more and more merch gigs and so I've worked a few different jobs in the touring world and I will say that you know I'm friends with a lot of other PAs I'm friends with a lot of TMs but I think merch is the only job where I've made like very solid friends that I've continued to be friends with. Uh, We give each other jobs. We give each other tips. Like if one of us is in a bind, 
there isn't that same sort of level. I think there can be a little bit of gatekeeping and a little bit of like protection of, you know, your job or your contacts in other positions in the industry. And I think part of the merch solidarity is because we are all sort of like in this job that a lot of people don't respect, a lot of people discount. And so there is this sort of like, we got to stick together and help each other. And um, it's also the only job where if you're touring with other bands, you're working directly beside somebody else for kind of the duration of the tour, the duration of the show. Like Mm -hmm. if you think of two guitar techs, like you may say, Hey, what's up? And like, you know, help each other out if you like need a tool or something, you know, but generally you're like, you're with one band, you're with one band. Whereas like merch, you're like right beside each other or close together. Headliners will kind of help out the support. You are, you do like you're right beside someone for, a lot of times and you know my when I first started one of my first tours as a merch person was on warp tour I was just out in the heat dying no food no water you know and the two there was a band a day to remember they had this huge tent they had power they had water they had you know two people working they had assistants bringing them food and water and so those two guys Jordan and Brian really kind of like were like set up beside us and you know if they wanted a break they would sit under my tent and I would like sell for them and so there is sort of this like you know siblinghood like camaraderie yeah, yeah exactly and and so I really like love that about merch um, I mean, there's a lot of things I like about it, but that was sort of one of the things that, you know, led me to meet you through Angel. And I would say most of my like very good friends from touring are like other merch people. And it just sort of worked out that way, I guess. But I the appreciate best, the best people that I've met in the music industry are merch people. They're yeah, and I'm not and I'm not like you know brown nosing. (laughs) I'm not trying to blow hot air up your ass or anything. Like I'm literally saying, like I, I, the people that I've met that sell merch are just like chill, easygoing people, and they always have a fun backstory, and they're always willing to help. That's what I've like. Like I was on a visa, right? Like in in the U.S., and so I couldn't get work where I wasn't like signed by like the Department of Homeland Security, like stamp approved, right? And Angel was like, hey, you want to work merch this this Saturday and Sunday? Like, I'll pay you like 150 bucks a day cash. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's the vibe that I just get from a lot of merch managers. And I always whenever I go to a show where whether I got guest list or not, I always make a point to chill with the merch people. And just like swap information because you never know what tour they're going to be on next and who they know. And, you know, just like it's not even from even so much a networking standpoint. It's more just like, you know, they're, they're hanging during the show. They've seen the show a million times and they're just like easygoing and they're easy to talk to. So like, yeah, it's fun. There's like a pretty, it was funny. A friend of mine came to the Vancouver show the last tour I was on. And she was just like, it's so funny watching you like interact with the fans because it is a little bit of a performance like I am myself, but it's very exhausting, like doing customer service at such a high volume, at such a high like so speed. Fast. So you have to like 
I always say that I'm a human vending machine, um, which is <laughs> like basically true um, because there's not a lot of like hard selling. People want what you have. And so it's just like trying to get them what they want as fast as possible, but also like being polite and giving people like a minute because they're excited. And this is, you know, especially now like post COVID people are like really excited to be there. They really want the stuff. They want the whole experience. Um, so you, you don't want to like rush people, but at the same time, you're like, there's like 200 people behind you, you know, like it's a t-shirt just, you've been wearing t-shirts your whole life. Like what size are you? Uh, you know, so what questions do you get that oh are, God, like that, that, that so are mind blowing that are just like, mind blowing to you? <laughs> how small is a small? Um, that's a big one. What size am I is another big one. Um, which I don't personally answer because I'm like, I don't know how you want your shirts to fit. Like, right. Um, and you know, that one, I'll have that one is a big one. I'll have the black one is another big one. Yeah. Like, I don't know, like, I can tell the general area that your eyes are pointing at, but I don't know what shirts you are referring to. Um, a big one I get all the time is like, do you have, is this all you have? Do you have anything <laughs> else? Do you have this in a different color? I was and just I'm like, no, say. obviously I have, what I have is displayed. Um, like sometimes I'll be like, if it's like an older person, like the kids, I have a lot more like patience for because, you know, a they've been inside for two years and they don't really know. So I'm more patient with them. But if it's like an older person, I'm like, oh yeah, I have like a ton of stuff under the table. Like, do you want to see it? And they're like, really? I'm like, no, dude. Like, it's all. It's like, come on. Here. That's and so funny. Yeah. So like if you know there's a there's a minute and so i can i feel like i can kind of like jive with someone i'll kind of tease them a bit like you have to read the room really like i mean ultimately you don't have to be friendly but obviously <laughs> that's my i prefer because it's part you're representing the artist you you know you don't want to like give someone a bad you know point in their night cuz they've looked forward to it or of course. Whatever. Like so yeah. generally, um, yeah, it's this weird like balance between being friendly but being efficient. Um, and they tried to do vending machines and they failed. <laughs> Forget what tour it was, but some company did like come up with vending machines for merch and they it was like a huge bomb because A, you still have to have someone like stocking them, counting, you know, doing inventory. It, people change their mind they want to touch it they you know buy a medium then they want a large like it's you're, just you're also the person that represents the band that the fan can actually interact with you're yeah. the only person at the venue that is tied to the band that they can actually touch and like interact with and speak with right yeah i feel like yeah. that is so like that is extremely important, but so under realized or undervalued or under, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, you can definitely like, I tour a lot with uh, female artists and um, 
Tell everyone who you worked with. I, I feel like we need to do like an actual like oh bio God. of it's you. So like, the it's a long list. Okay, um, so let, let, let's back up. Hold <laughs> on. So, so I because I want I want to get some backstory here. So Jessica is from the states, right? You're from like yes. North or South Carolina, I think you told me. Louisiana. Louisiana, <laughs> way yeah. off. <laughs> Just a few, just it's a few the states south, over. I guess. Yeah, kind of. I mean, you got that southern hospitality, right? But, yeah. Um. So you're you're from Louisiana, and but you you were raised in in around Vancouver, British Columbia. I think you said like Richmond or Burnaby or something, right? Uh, Ladner. Ladner, which is yeah. which is which is not far from Burnaby. Uh, it's like on the way to the Tawasin Ferry, so it's okay. like South Delta. Yeah, so it's going south from vancouver mm. i guess it would be considered a suburb um or like the next it's like vancouver richmond ladner okay and you were you were born raised i mean born u.s raised in canada yes um so you're the you're the friendliest person because you've got the southern hospitality and you're canadian <laughs> and which is i guess they really bred you to be like good for customer service yeah, and it's funny because people that know me will laugh at that um, because I, you know, I was an athlete. I still play sports, so I kind of like run hot and cold, but I genuinely do like interacting with fans. Customer service, I like I worked at Starbucks when I was in high school. I probably was not the friendliest there. <laughs> My sister worked at Starbucks. It, it, it trains you to be very on top of your shit. Yeah. I mean, there's just something like I, as much as I am sort of like, you know, tough and I have a lot of resilience that I mostly credit to being an athlete. Like I do have a soft spot for co like concert goers, especially younger kids because I remember like how influential music was in my life and so I feel like I just like I see these kids and I'm like, oh. um so I want to give them like be part of their overall experience um so and how did you yeah I would say go how ahead. did you get it how did you get into this field like so because my, you, you were an athlete you said you worked at Starbucks yes. as a teenager yes. I'm just trying to get like the timeline right so, so sorry that I interrupt I, I'm just I so for everybody out there, just so that they know, I guess, like, what was your path? You were in high school working at Starbucks. Did you go to college? Did you just decide you want to work in music? Like, how did that come about? Because I know that you, you said that I think your first job was Live Nation. Yes. So my path is sort of like non-traditional in the sense that I was from the time I was eight years old, focused on elite athletics. I played softball and ice hockey. And, you know, went to Canada, summer and winter games, was on like rep select all-star teams, whatever you want to call it, um, for 10 years. And then I was all set to like go to university, play softball, um, follow that path. And then I just got burnt out from doing only that. I missed out on a ton of stuff in high school because I was training. I would train before school, after school, weekends, like holidays, summer. Um, so when I decided to leave athletics, uh, it was a bit of a like identity crisis because this doesn't really have to do with music, but That's you know, totally I had fine. been one thing my entire life. And then it was like, what do I do now? 
And so my other love was music. And I had, you know, grown up a punk kid and going to punk shows when I could. And so, but I'm also like a big nerd. And so <laughs> I asked a couple uh, music industry people if I could speak to other people at their job. And so how, I just how did you, went. How did you find these music industry people? Um, I interned um, at Network back in the day. Um, N-E-T-T-W-E-R-K. Yes. Right? Yeah. It was a record label management company. Um, so they did like, you know, Avril, Sarah McLaughlin, Billy Talent. They were one of the biggest back then. And so I ended up meeting with the CFO and I just said, how do I work in the music industry? And he told me some really interesting advice. He just said, volunteer intern wherever you can and just get, if you want to go to university, get a general, like, business background or you know some sort of degree that will help you with the things you learn outside of university so like studying perseverance sticking with something finishing something um i don't want to discount any of the sort of music industry programs Uh, angel angel totally did yeah (laughs) i mean low-key there are huge ripoffs so if any of your listeners or thinking about it, I would say, however, I would say if you're doing something technical, definitely worth it. But if you're looking at like sort of like music business management or some like soft skills, which is what the jobs that I do, I would say they're, they're not worth it. They're usually from, you know, non-accredited universities. They're often taught by people who have never really done the job. Mm-hmm. So, so anyways, Long story short, I ended up going to university. I got a business degree. And then in that time was sort of volunteering. Like I worked on street teams, which aren't, this is dating myself because they still I don't exist. Think, do they? Okay. Yeah, they, they, they very much still exist, which I was surprised to learn. But we even had one when I worked at Webster Hall. I, I used to run the street team. Yeah. It, was, it was mostly just like handing out flyers, right? Yeah. Or, like, or like little like um, posters, like little, yeah. little tiny, whatever you want to go not, not really like a handbill, but you know what I mean, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. So I would say that now, like, I don't really endorse like unpaid labor. And so I don't want to tell people like do all this stuff for free. Cause I think that a lot of that can be like exploitive. And so, but that's how I started. I worked, volunteered at Warp Tour. I volunteered on street teams. Um, I interned at network for a summer and so just, and just meet, like you said, meeting people, talking to people. So it ended up that when I graduated university, I was friends with someone who worked at live nation and was like, let me know if they're hiring for anything. They were hiring for a position in the ticketing department. So I went and interviewed for that. And then as I was leaving, the president of the company called me and said, Hey, like, I know you were just in for this ticketing position, but I think you would be better suited to work in the booking department as like a promoter's Wait, assistant. The, the, the president of live nation. Uh, li- live nation, Canada, <laughs> like Western Canada. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. he, and it was who, like, who, to is, be, who is this out of curiosity? Uh, Paul Hagenson is his name. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's a name that I've heard, but I don't think we've crossed paths. Anyways, go on. Yeah. So he phoned me saying like, I know you just interviewed for this position, but I think you would be better for this position. So I went back and interviewed with him and it just turned out he, like he has an MBA. So he was really into education. Um, so he liked, you know, that I had a business degree and that I came from sort of an academic athletic background. I will say though, that it doesn't matter. I worked with people very high up that never graduated high school, you know? So Mm. I personally am a big fan of education and I will always advocate for it, but it's not necessary. And I don't want anyone to think that they have to like, there's, there's other ways you can get in. It's really just like any other position or any other industry is just about who, you know, if you're a hard worker and you, you know, like I, I, didn't want to work in ticketing, but I was just like, this is a job I can get in. And then it turned out that the job that I interviewed for was perfect for me. So it was dealing with contracts and then also being a booking assistant. So routing tours, you know, dealing with agents, managers, venues that helped me expand my network of people that I knew. And then I worked at Live Nation for about four years. And then my goal was always to tour. So I could have, like, I know people that just started touring. They went out with their friends' bands when they were 18. But again, I'm very, like, analytical and nerdy. And so I was like, I need to know everything before I start down this path. So the job at Live Nation was, I started doing production. So it was a way of getting as much knowledge and contacts and experience as I could. And then about four years in, I told my boss, at the time I was like, Hey, I'm gonna like, I really want to tour. I'm going to start looking for tours. So if you hear things like, it's not that I'm unhappy here. It's just that like, I feel like I've hit my ceiling because there was, there was only like the position above my position was booking the Commodore and that person was quite young as well. And so I was like, okay, well, they're not going anywhere because above them, there's only like two buyers that are like the president and the executive vice president. Mm-hmm. of Western Canada. So like, they're not going anywhere. Um, and it was just never my dream to be in an office or be like an executive. Like I know there are people that that's what they wanted and that like people I used to work with, that's what they've achieved and they're really happy, but I always wanted to be on the artist side. So I just started asking around and it turned out Billy Talent was looking for a production assistant it was a month long Canadian tour and my boss was like, okay, are you taking a month off or are you going to quit? And I was like, I think I have to quit because I knew that not having a job would motivate me to like keep touring because I got, you know, the job at live nation at that point was comfortable for me. You know, I got great perks. I had benefits. I, you know, I got paid what I thought was really well, at the time as like a 22 year old, but it probably wasn't that good. (laughs) Um, So it would have been easy for me to go back and just kind of coast, but I've never been that type of person. I'm a risk taker. I sort of (laughs) knew my path and I was like, if I quit and I have no job after this month, then that's going to force me to like hustle and find other tours. And I want to preface this by saying like, I am, fortunate to be able to take the risk because I knew like 
worst case scenario, I could move back home or like, I'm not saying, you know, if you don't have a support system or you have a family or something to just be like, screw it. I'm just going to quit everything and like follow my dreams. Like I was lucky at the time to be young and have like, know that I could move back in with, I'm sure my parents wouldn't have been happy about it, but like, it was always there. So it gave me, you know, the confidence to sort of leave a stable position and take a risk on something and, that. And mom and dad were like fully supportive of you deciding, yeah, you know what? I'm going to quit my job. No, and no, on tour. no. I, I feel like 12 years in now they're like, okay, maybe this is a career, but <laughs> they just didn't really understand it. And they, they, you know, come from like, you need to, you just do the job for like 30 years or something. Right. Um, I mean, ironically, my dad, they are like, they just retired, but my dad started his own company. My mom went to work for him. So they have that sort of entrepreneurial self-employed business owner spirit. But I think they were just like, why would you leave this like good stable job, like in the With industry? <laughs> yeah. To go, which I never used by the way, cause I was an idiot when I was 22 and just like, I had so many benefits and now like not having them for 12 years, I was like, Oh my God, like I should have. Yeah. Like paying for like dental cleaning. Yeah. Like (laughs) gone to the dentist more or like I had like, you know, massage and naturopath and I acupuncture. I didn't use any of it. Cause you don't need it at 22. You're just like, whatever. Like I just want to party with my friends. I was like, you know, I just left like being an athlete. So like, you know, I was like, Oh, I'm good. You know, I can go to a show and then get up the next morning, go to work. And uh, the things we wish we knew now I'm just like, Oh God, I have to like way. (laughs) I like a lot what you said that like, you know, you you drew the parallel there that your, that your father is an entrepreneur and your mother has the spirit as well. And I mean, I guess that's also part of where you get it from. But at the same time, like, you know, you learn to fend for yourself. And this is an industry, like you also said before, it's like, there's no straight path, right? And that's really why I started the podcast in the first place. So do you feel like you need to be an entrepreneur to thrive in this business? Or like, or have that, you know? Yeah. Thanks for tuning in to part one. Stay tuned for part two. Remember, new episodes release every Thursday at 12 p.m. Pacific. See you there.